Hello, welcome to Motherhood Out Loud, a safe place for mothers to talk openly about their experiences without fear of judgment or shame. Our hope is for women to realize that we're not alone in the variety of emotions we feel and that we're able to provide a more loving community for future moms. Let's take take our our power back and and live motherhood out loud. With Carla and Cindy. Hi, everyone. Today we have a very special guest, a person that is very dear to Cindy and me. Her name is Letty Knight. She's currently studying to be a midwife, but before that, our journey together began when Letty was my doula during my first pregnancy, and she was also Cindy's hypnobirth instructor. She's very active in the childbirth community here in El Paso, Texas, and we are honored to speak with her today regarding childbirth education and how important this topic is to our community. Hi, Letty. Hi, Hi, Carla and Cindy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you. We're so excited to see you. <laughs> I know. We're always like, you always like drop in our conversations and we like say, oh, Letty this, Letty that. Like everybody knows who Letty <laughs> is, but you're so important to us that we're like, yeah, everybody knows who Letty is. Come on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure her name has already been dropped in the episodes prior to this. So oh. <laughs> everyone already is like, there's a Letty lady somewhere. <laughs> Full circle. She's here with us today. Yeah. <laughs> so, Letty, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your personal life, and then we'll talk about your professional life? Sure. And I promise not to forget about my family this time. Because <laughs> 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 I always tend to. Um, yeah. So, I've been married. I'm actually coming up on 21 years of marriage. Wow. Um, yeah. High school sweetheart. So, That's um, amazing. Yeah, 21 stinking years. And then we have four kids together. Our oldest is 13. Uh, my daughter's 11, 8. It's like when, when four kids, it's like you got to, I forget. Like he just turned <laughs> 8 and then about to be 4. So the 4-year-old's running around here, so you might hear him screaming Aww. his head off. Um, yeah, um, originally from south of Chicago, but we moved here as a kid. Um, my husband's born and raised here. So El Paso has been home pretty much my whole life. Um, and so El Paso's home, El Paso's important to me. And I've grown to, I think like everyone in their twenties, it's like, oh, I'm going to get out of El Paso. I can't stand El Paso. But then as you get older, you kind of learn to appreciate how important and how valuable just like the community and the culture here is. And so, um, El Paso's home for us. Um, And part of why I kind of got into this whole birth stuff was to be a resource for the community because it felt like we were just so lacking in accessible um, resources. Um, But I'm currently, like you said, I'm a student midwife um, with Southwest Wisconsin Technical College. I'm in their direct entry midwife program. Um, I'm starting my second year next month. Um, The first year was insane and intense, um, but I feel like I survived that year. So second year should be okay. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And so once I graduate with that, I'll be able to sit for my NARM exam, which will be my certification exam to be a certified midwife here in Texas. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's basically what's going on as of now before and like getting into birth work was a lot more did you want me to go into 
like how I started this or? Yeah, I mean, yes, first we're, we're sad that we're losing you as a doula, but we're so excited that, um, you know, future people are going to have access to you as a midwife. That's so exciting. So <laughs> I'm very excited for that. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead and tell us about your professional journey and what led you to birth work. Um, so I guess like I could, I mean, really the catalyst for all this, um, probably goes as far as after my second baby's, my daughter's birth. Um, I remember watching, there was like all this hype on Facebook and things about, um, Ricky Lake's documentary. And I don't know if y'all seen it, um, business of being born. And Mm -hmm. so I remember watching that and then I started reading a bunch of books and just, I remember after watching it, I just feeling like people had kept things for me. Like, how did I not know about this? How did, how did I not know about um, doulas? Even like, I knew a little bit about them, but it was just, things just felt hidden from me um, because wow. both my older kids were hospital births and pretty straightforward. Like I went in, got my epidural, had my baby a couple hours later, everything was fine. No complications, went home, good. But I still kind of felt like, but why didn't anyone tell me I could do this? the way my mom did it, the way my grandmother did it, the way so many other women around the world do. Like, I just felt kind of like, huh, something just didn't sit right with me. Um, And then as my kids started to get a little bit older, I was running their play group. And in the play group, uh, one of the moms was actually a childbirth educator who ended up being my doula for my third baby because I took her class and we just, we got really close. And so in taking that class and just learning more about what my options were, learning more about how I could, how I could advocate for myself, like that just seemed so foreign to me. Um, That was just really empowering. And then also on top of the fact that my husband, because he was getting ready to deploy, we weren't sure if he was going to be there for my third baby. I was like, I need to be mentally, physically, just all, all around prepared for this baby because I'm essentially going to be by myself. Um, and so once baby was born, my, um, my friend who was teaching, she was going to move on to other things. She was an artist. And so she was going to do other things. And so she encouraged me to start teaching the childbirth ed class. And so I was like, yeah, let's all do that. Cause I was very much, that's when everything just like started to kind of um, really snowball and really build for me and like my interests and just everything just started to kind of click. And so I did the certification um, and I started teaching. It took from start to finish with the certification, took me about a year. I had to do the whole, um, I think it was like 50 hours of hypnosis training, 32 hours of um, in-person childbirth ed training. So it was, and then a lot of other prerequisites to it. Um So it was, that was probably one of the most intense things that I had done up to then, um, with kids (laughs) because my kids are still pretty small. Um, and it was, it was just a lot of stuff that I had to do for the certification. But once I was there and then just trying to find somewhere to teach here in El Paso, because that was so foreign, like taking a childbirth class outside of the hospital just wasn't very common or known. Um, so I had to figure out like where to go or what to do. And so I started reaching out to midwives and I reached out to one midwife, um, who was starting up a birth center. And so when she heard that I was teaching, I was just looking for resources and 
um, she was telling me that she was starting it up and she's like, well, would you be interested in teaching here? And I was like, yeah, because <laughs> I was really thinking of teaching <laughs> here yeah. at my house. Yeah. <laughs> Because so many of the other instructors that certified with me, they were teaching out of their houses and some of them didn't have kids or their kids were older um, and out of the house or old enough to like lock yourselves in your room and yeah, quiet while I do this. My kids are little, like they were going to be all over the place, toys everywhere. So I was like, I need to figure something out. And so when she offered, I was like, hell yeah, sign me up. Let's do this. And so in working with that um, birth center, and having that space, meeting all the clients that they were um, attending, that was really what helped build my client base. It really, more than anything, kind of gave me um, a space to do outreach with the community. I was doing um, just like monthly events there at the clinic. I was hosting like Meet the Doula Nights, movie nights. We were showing movies um, and just... I, we helped organize um, a birth and baby fair for people to come and like learn about the resources that were available in town. Because again, like I didn't know when I, my kids were smaller and I wanted to make it more accessible. And so, yeah, it was in working there and teaching there at the clinic that I really started to get more familiar with other birth workers, with other families in the community and really build like a solid foundation as far as myself and what I was trying to do in the community. And in being there, uh, the midwife who was running the clinic or the birth center, um, she was like, have you ever thought of being a doula? I think you'd be a really great doula. And at that point I was like, hell no, like, no, this is enough. Like I've got little kids and teaching like that's, I'm good. I, I don't, she's like, no, I really think you'd be, you'd be great at it. Would you consider taking a client? So I was like, okay, fine. I'll consider taking a client. And so it was a client that was coming in from uh, Mexico. Her due date was kind of like towards the end of December. And so we were planning to meet right around when she was hitting 37, 36, 37 weeks. Um, so we could actually meet in person because we had only been communicating over WhatsApp at that point. And then I get a call from her December 6th, which I was like, that's weird. Why is she calling? We usually only text hey, my water broke, we're driving up, we'll be there in about three, four hours. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. And so I hang up and I just remember like pacing back and forth in my bedroom and like my stomach was upset and I'm like, oh my God, like, am I really going to do this? Like, is this going to happen? And my husband's like, what are you doing? I was like, she's coming, her water broke and she's in labor and she's coming over here and I got to go. And he's like, yeah, but you've done this before. Like you've had babies and you've drained, like you're ready to do this. You'll be fine. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And if not, I'll just fake it till I make it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be good. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I get there and I'm just kind of waiting and she pulls up to the center a little bit later and she's like bright and active. And I get there and she's, I walk up to her. She hit like the contraction hits as soon as she walks in and I just go and I just, I put my hands on her hips and we start to do hip squeeze. Like we hadn't even said, hi, my name is nothing. Like I just go up and let the contraction pass. And she kind of looks at me. She's like, I'm Amanda. And I was like, I'm Letty. She's like, thank you. That felt so good. <laughs> well, you've been in the car for a while. And so from there, I mean, labor birth was amazing. And I'll, I'll never forget because I remember she was on all fours on the bed. My hands were crossed like this. I'm facing her and I'm holding her hands. And every time she pushes, like we're just looking, we're like, our eyes are locked. 
and she has her baby and I'm just like, okay, I could do this too. Like I'll figure this out. I'll do this too. And from then I was averaging about like three to four clients a month. That's um, insane. Which was a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> I mean, there were some months that I was doing up to five, just depending if everyone had already had their babies for that month. So it was, it was oh a lot. Gosh, um, yeah. which, but honestly, like it could not, and I still could not do that if it wasn't for my family. Like my husband will be able to like, just, okay, I got to go. My, my wife's going to a birth or my mom, like I boy, I, so she'd come stay with the kids. And cause I don't think if I had that support, it, it would not have happened. Like there's no way I could have done it. And I think that's why it's so hard for so many doulas to be able to sustain being on call because of the support system, like the doulas that have been able to kind of be in it for the longest typically have like a solid support system, because if not, it's tough. Like it's being on call. It's not, it's not easy, which is why I'm relishing in this little break of being able to turn off um, my phone for a while. Um, And really just doula work was just kind of a placeholder until I could go into midwifery. Like my high school senior book, I remember writing in like, where do you see yourself in 10, 15, however many years? And I wrote in, I'm going to be an obstetrician to catch my sister's babies. And like at that point, and I was maybe 16, 17 years old. And so I, then I didn't know about like midwives and out of health. Like I didn't know about any of that. So my only idea or even notion of having a baby was in a hospital with an OB. Um, but it was in like years and getting older and learning more about it and having my own kids that it started to kind of narrow down. And really I started originally going for certified nurse midwife. Um, just because for me having kids, it just seemed like a much more stable, I guess you could say profession. Um, like you're saying, you clock in, you're at work, you clock out and you're at home. Like you get to go and leave on calls only when you're there. And I mean, just the benefits and all that. So that logically made more sense for where I was with my family and everything, especially with my parents and everyone, like it just made more sense to go that route, even though I never had any inclination or desire to be a nurse. Like that just wasn't where I saw myself. I have a family full of nurses and I think it's an amazing profession, I think, but just, I never saw myself in that role. And so starting school and finishing up my prerequisites was like, like it was just, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good knowing that I was doing this to go into nursing, to then still have to wait before I could go to the master's program to be a nurse midwife. Like it just seemed like so long to do something that I didn't really want to do. And then it was really, cause, and this was all fairly recently. This was probably 2019 that I had um, two clients actually, no, 20, no, yeah, 2020. Um, it was, yeah, because it was COVID already, but it was winter 2020. I it was my probably last few doula clients that I was going to do because I was in school and still going CNM route. I had two hospital births that were pretty intense and really hard 
to stand by and watch the things that were being done to them and said to them. Mind you, I've been to some pretty traumatic, like just holy shit births in hospitals and out of hospitals. But it was something about these two births and feeling like a bystander and feeling like I couldn't do enough to stop what they were doing to them that I was like, I cannot be a part of the system. Like I just, I can't. Probably in any other realm, you know, any other department, sure. In this realm, in this spot of birth and supporting people who, and creating these complications for people, like I could not see myself in that space at all. And that's, I remember calling um, a midwife friend of mine after the second birth and just crying and be like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't go to nursing school. I can't be a part of this. And that's when he was like, well, there's other things you could do. And so he told me about the school that I'm currently currently in now. And so this was, I probably filled out the application in December, got accepted at the end of December, and then started in January. Like it just seemed like things just kind of fell into place so easily. Whereas before it was such a challenge, like even just finishing my prerequisites, getting like credits approved, like everything just seemed so hard. I felt like I was fighting with administrators. I felt like I was fighting with um, instructors and just, it, it just seemed so hard. But yet here, everything was just like, here you go. No, really here. No, really here. And I'm just waiting for like things to kind of like fall apart. Um, and so I just kind of like, I'm just going to let this happen and see how things go. And um like I said, school's been, it's tough. Like it's not easy. It's a lot of information at you all at once. A lot of homework on top of kids, on top of COVID, <laughs> like yeah. homeschooling. Homeschooling and the kids. It was just a lot, but I survived it. The kids are back in school. So I'm like, second year should be a breeze. So things should be a little easier from <laughs> here on out. But yeah, and so that's kind of how I ended up here. And like um, now I'm at another birth center um, where I'm, I'm just love. Um, I was previously at a, a, a clinic that was um, a midwifery school in a, a few years back. Um, so they're much more higher volume, always have lots of students. Um, and I loved it there. I was very much spoiled by um, the clinical director. I loved it. Um, but it was much more of a clinical setting, which it, it needs to be just because of the volume, because of the um, student changeover and what students are going there to get. It's very medicalized in some ways, whereas the center I'm at now is much more in line with how I see myself as a community midwife. It's much more involved in the community itself. It's much more involved in um, being accessible and creating accessibility and reproductive justice. And so it's much more in line with how I always envisioned what I would be doing in my community as a midwife. So it's, it's been great. And it's, I've been very lucky because I, I knew the community before going into school. So it's kind of like I'm working with my friends <laughs> and they yeah, all that's super cool. <laughs> in yeah. certain ways. Um, but it's been, well, it's been great. It's been tough, but it's been, it's been great. It's been a great road. And that was a lot. Awesome. No, I mean, I'm just like, 
I have so many questions, but I'm like, I cannot get off track. Hold on, because at some <laughs> I point I lost. We were mentioning when you were where, where you were at the other birthing center. And I think that's where I found you because I can't remember where I kind of connected with you. But I think I've told this to a lot of people. And it's like when I, you know, I only interview two people because like, you said like doula and childbirth outside of the hospital was never something that anybody talked to me about or even mm-hmm. something that I had even considered, you know, getting pregnant. I knew I was like, oh, I'm going to a hospital. I'm probably going to get an epidural. It wasn't until like I started researching and kind of like looking more into the birth because I wanted to be educated that I saw there were other options. So that's kind of where I found you. And, you know, you say about you couldn't be part of like the way the system was and, you know, you're staying true to yourself. But I can tell you, and I'm so glad you're in that space now, because when I spoke with you, like, I just felt at peace. Like, you made me feel like I could do anything, that my birth was going to be amazing. Like, you just made me feel so at peace. And the way I describe it is that, you know, when you're, like, really sad or really anxious and you just get a hug from your mom and you're like, okay, everything's going to be fine. Like, I remember talking to you and I was like, I had that feeling with you. And then, you know, I interviewed the second midwife, I mean, the midwife, the doula, and she was great too. But I was like, I don't have the same feeling. Like, it, it wasn't down to like, well, what is package A offer versus package B? What is the, like, it wasn't nothing like that. It was like, I felt so at peace. And I was like, oh, we can do this. Like, everything's going to be perfect. And so I'm, I'm like, that, like, that made my decision. And so to see you now that, you're in a practice you're starting to do what's gonna be right with you I'm just like oh my god like the future people that get you know that have their babies with you are gonna I hope they feel the same feeling that I had like feeling so at peace and being like we can do this and you know just leading up to like everything's so stressful when you're a first time mom that -hmm. you know you're just wondering everything you're getting dismissed by a lot of people that you never made me feel like that you made me feel like everything was gonna be perfect and you know but not be making me delusional like you were very real with me but it was like you know just gave me that confidence I'm like yes she's gonna do it I am really sad to see you leave the doula work because I was like of course I'm gonna get Leti again like duh <laughs> and now I'm like okay I gotta wait till she can deliver a baby then <laughs> I'm in the I, mean, I can still catch your baby. I, I've been catching babies, Carla, just so you know. That's true. <laughs> she could still be there. She'll be there. She'll, uh, she'll be there to kind of just make me feel at peace. So I'm so <laughs> glad. And I mean, Cindy, do you have other questions? Because I really want to talk to you about like the childbirth experience and what you feel like in our community we're lacking because we're all kind of El Paso natives. We've been here for so long. And I hear this story so often. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know about that until I had my first, second, third, sometimes fourth kid. I didn't know my options. So what do you feel is like that we're lacking here in the community when it comes to childbirth? Yeah. I, and, and you, like you hit it. We hear so, and I've seen so many times that people were like, oh, I wish I had known about that when I was pregnant, or I wish I had known about that with my first baby. And I actually saw a really cool, like a really good quote on um, Instagram, which I, I love her page. Her name is Flor Cruz, badass mother birther, mother birther, where she was saying how so many people wait until after they have, like they'll, their first baby will be their hospital baby, right? Because like, they just want to make sure everything's fine. Everything's good. And then they'll try other stuff. And it's like, you don't need your first baby to be your tester baby. But I think it's just all part of that deconditioning ourselves to think that we're broken, 
to think that we need help. And I think a lot of that plays into why so few people really know about childbirth education and know about other options, because we've been so conditioned to believe what the medical system tells us about us. And like, it just, it boils down to even the language that people use with us. Like, well, if you don't go into labor by this time, we'll have to do it for you, which is Mm -hmm. how we end up in induction. And then we have a failed induction, failed home birth, incompetent cervix, unable to dilate. Like it's all these things that kind of put it back on us when it's like, I was fine. And I would have been fine had I not, you know, been bombarded with all these fears of not being able to do something that I probably could have done. And so, and I, and like, I think just culturally here in El Paso, it's, and I always kid that, and I call it the brown bubble because <laughs> we're so <laughs> protected and it, it's very few cities in the U S that you'll really see that a minority population is the majority population here. And with that comes just all the cultural expectations and cultural norms, right? So just being around a Mexican population, we, the culture itself is very patriarchal. It's very machista. It's very, we don't question. We don't ask questions. We do what we're told. We do what our moms did. We do what our tias did, what our sisters did. And so whatever worked for them, it's going to work for me too. And we're a very... And, and I heard this, I do, we just did a, a, a webinar with this really amazing group from, um, I think it was Wisconsin of all places, where it's just a group of um, indigenous um, women. They're called Roots for Change. A lot of them are from, um, from Mexico. I think there's some from Honduras and just kind of reconnecting with their indigenous roots when it, as it comes, as it relates to birth. Um, and they were just saying how like, as a culture, we're very, um, what is the word she used? As a culture, we're very shy, right? Mm-hmm. So we, mm-hmm. we have these voices and we have these um, stereotypes of being like these loud and boisterous and colorful and, you know, fun loving people. When in reality, we're very much oppressed as people where we don't so quickly speak up for what we want. We don't so quickly buck against the system. And so the idea of being outside of a hospital is so foreign to us. The idea of telling a doctor like, no, that, that doesn't sound right to me. Or, you know, I'd rather do this. Or, I mean, for so many people, if they just mentioned to their provider, like, you know, I'd really like to have an unmedicated birth. You say that now. Yeah. That's what you say now. And it's like, why instill that? doubt in me now like I've heard this my entire life to hear it from the one person I'm supposed to trust and who's going to be there with me who's supposed to have my back and now like you're doubting me too like that's crazy so I, I think it's just it's tricky for people here to even know that there's other options for childbirth ed outside of a hospital like a lot of times and I don't want to take away from hospital-based classes but for the most part, you're learning to have a baby in their hospital. You're learning about the options that they have for you. You're not learning about how to advocate for yourself. You might get a little thing that says brand that says, these are the benefits. These are the risks. These are all like, sure. Great. 
And then you get home and where's the support to kind of help you throughout afterwards, right? And so I think there's options, but even as myself being an El Paso native, how did I not know there were other options? Like, how did I not know if I hadn't been in this play group with my friend who taught classes, how would I have known that there were other options for me to take other classes, that there was other information that I could have known that could have helped me. And again, I'm thankful that I, I had pretty straightforward. I don't have any um, traumatic or ill feelings about my hospital births. I think they went the way I needed them to go, you know, looking back. But why did I have that feeling like someone that was have like keeping something from me, right? Maybe I could have had a different experience had people offered it to me or talked about it more to me, or if I didn't feel like this, sure, this is available, but not to someone who looks like me. And that was my biggest thing was like, with my first, um, we were in California. And I remember doing the hospital birth or the doing the hospital class, and she goes around and she puts an ice cube in your hand. And the whole idea was like, well, if you can tolerate holding an ice cube in your hand for however long, then you'll be able to tolerate a contraction, right? And so I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a competitive person, <laughs> but I'm very much like, you tell me I can't do something and I'm going to show you that I can. Mm-hmm. And so she put it in my hand. I'm like, I'm going to hold this. Boat. And sure enough, I did. Like I beat out everybody. And I, I remember my water broke and I had my first contraction and I thought I was dying. I was like, no, this isn't normal. Like I'm not supposed to keep leaking. This contraction isn't supposed to feel like this. Like nobody told me this. I I'm dying. And so I get to the hospital Mm. and I'm like, something's wrong. Like this isn't normal. No one's like this. They're not supposed to feel this intense. Of course they are supposed to feel intense. And I was only two centimeters dilated. And I'm like, well, if this is two, I don't want to know what 10 feels like. So hook me up. And so it was like, sure, I could do this. But for those of us who couldn't hold that ice cube in your hand, this is what you could do. This is your pain medication options. This is when you can get your epidural. Thankfully, in this hospital, you can get your epidural from one centimeter to 10 centimeters. So whenever you want. And so that right there was like, oh, well, and that's why I knew when I got there at two centimeters, shoot, I can get my epidural now. I don't have to wait like at other hospitals. And so right there, it just kind of told me like, this is what I can do at this hospital. It didn't tell me this is what I could do if I want to do something else. And that's why I think taking a childbirth ed is so important because it gives you just all around options, not just what's best for someone else. And this way you can kind of think about, well, maybe I want to do this because there's nothing wrong with a medicated birth. I had medicated births like, and that's again, like what I needed. Um, And I've never been against a client of mine going for an unmedicated birth. I've never been against a client of mine scheduling a cesarean. It's like, but just know your options. Do you feel good about your options? And do you feel like this is the safest for you? Yes. Cool. I'm, I got your back 100%. And, but it's really just kind of knowing that I'm not being coerced into this for the benefit of someone else. I'm choosing this for my own benefit. And I think El Paso's tricky in the sense that we're okay collectively as a culture being told, this is what's best for you. I know what's best for you. Just listen to me. And whether it's about birth, your health regarding diabetes, anything else, it's like, you need this medication for this, you're going to take it. Like how many 
tias or tios house that you go to and you open their cabinet, it's just like full of all these medications that they need to take, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you told me I need to do this and that's what I need to do. And punto, that's what we're doing. Yeah. And then it's coming from someone that you are thought from, or, you know, you're thought to respect. We're a very respectful culture. You respect your Mm -hmm. elders, you respect people in power. And that just kind of the mentality that we're brought up as children. Mm -hmm. And we place a big value on someone having a prestigious role, right? Where they're a doctor, like it's, you walk on water basically, right? When we're kids, what do you want to be when you're growing up? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. You want this prestigious. So obviously it makes sense that when we come in, are most vulnerable when our health is not on top shape. You know, whether you have diabetes, whether you have another condition, where you're pregnant, where you're very vulnerable, it's so easy to have these people in power and take whatever they say as fact, as the truth, as the only truth, not even thinking about going elsewhere. Uh, also, the hospital birth or the hospital birth classes. I went to two hospitals because I wanted to know what each one offered, and their childbirth education was orientation. It was telling me how, when I walked in, what their protocol was, what they were going to do to me. It was never, mom, when you come in, you can do this. Your partner can do this to support you. No, it was like, we go step one and then you go to step two. And then, you know, from there we choose A or B. But then after B, if you choose B, there's one, there's two, there's three. This is what you're going to do. And it was just an orientation. It wasn't anything Mm -hmm. about teaching me anything and, you know, I have a big fear of needles and I have a big fear of just hospitals in general. So it was it didn't make anything feel better going that route. But I didn't know any other way. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I can say this from a place of wisdom now. Like I trusted them blindly because I was very vulnerable. I didn't know what else to do. And there are people that you're thought to respect and you trust them with everything. But collectively, you know, we have a lot of wisdom in the community and people like yourself, but I don't know. It's not spoken out openly. I think it's not like a mainstream, right? It's not what what we, you don't find it until you look. And if you don't know to look for it, I mean, you're not going to look for it. So Mm -hmm. it's not even going to be an option for you, right? Until it's Cause that's how I feel like that's how me and Carla ended up finding everything. It's because we really like looked for it, you know, mm-hmm. but it's sad that it's not so openly available to everyone because like Letty said, like even if someone decides to go to the hospital and decides to, to have an epidural, like there's nothing wrong with that. The issue is when it's forced on you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like and that's you your feel like, option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you feel like there's no, like that ice thing was so weird. I almost feel like she was just trying to like, open the door to the interventions for you. She's like, you yeah. know, like here, and this is what happens because you can't hold the ice. So go ahead and open the epidural door. That's just literally could open so many other doors that you don't necessarily want or even know about. And it and it's interesting what you were saying about the, like how everything is rooted in oppression and it's kind of sad. I mean, and I don't think a lot of like older generations see it, at least in my experience, they don't see it that way. And I think our generation is like becoming aware of how so many things, like we were not ever part of the institution and we're still not part of the institution. Like we go Mm -hmm. into that, but we're not respected and we're not thought of as capable individuals, you know? 
mm-hmm. whether it be rooted in the color of our skin. We've learned to just kind of assimilate, kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, the Native Americans when they were forced to assimilate and told that this is just the way that life is when, you know, screw all of your traditions. And, you know, even with like herbs and stuff, people now think it's like witchcraft or like, why are you doing that? But I mean, people did that forever. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. how is it now that all of a sudden we think medicine is better, you know, or we Mm -hmm. think that that's like quack stuff when it's like, no, I mean, our ancestors did that and they were, you know, they believed in it. So I don't know. It's really interesting. It's, It's sad that for for those that really don't see outside of the box and kind of just think that the hospital is where it's at and that's it. And I mean, which if you go that right, like I said, that's fine. But to know that there's other options and not to bash people for their choices, like because mm-hmm. ju- to just say like, no, it's a hospital. It's like you don't understand that the historical like significance, that's kind of what gets me a little bit riled up because even like the historical significance in childbirth education in hospital, like we had talked about that in the last podcast that we did, but I read, I'm reading a book about it and just how it was taken from the community to the hospital to fit the narrative that the hospital wanted. Mm-hmm. And to kind of shut the doors on the community, you know, birth community. And so it it sucks. It's crazy. So I'm like, I mean, to have you in this community, Leti, like, it's awesome. Because I know that you've already made such a big impact. And you're going to continue to make a big impact on people. And like people like you, we need so desperately. Thank you. No, that's that's sweet of you to say. But like, I, and and it's funny, because like, I I, I'm not like a black sheep or the, of the family by any means, but I did do things differently. And, and I don't know if you guys get this from other people or, or family members. And I think that's why outside information is so kind of like eh, dismissed and oh no, like, oh, you're such a hippie. I'm like, I'm not a hippie by any means, <laughs> but just being called a hippie, it's like you're, you're labeled as this because you're going against the system, which traditionally that's what hippies did was they kind of went against mm. the system and did their own thing. But I'm like, no, this is how my abuelita had her babies. Like this is like, you know, she, she had, and, and my mom will, will say too, she's like, no, like I took care of you guys with our yervas and like these things. But now it's so like, I know it, mm-hmm. and like I was saying how, we're this brown bubble where we're this minority majority population. But even in that, there's all these little subtle nuances of, you know, still kind of breaking us up into different categories of like, these are the more affluent people. These are like the more, you know, um, poorer people. Now we're breaking ourselves up into all these little categories and for what? Like, who's it serving? And then when we still kind of break each other up, like, we're still up against the system. And then now mm-hmm. we're looking at providers that look just like us, who we're coming to for help, who we're coming to for care. But now they're also like, you know, treating us differently. So it's like we, El Paso, we're, we're lucky in that we don't, in a bigger sense, face a lot of racist kind of um, oppression and things like that. But we tend to, at smaller degrees and in microaggressive ways, do it to ourselves. And so it's, Mm. I think we just need to kind of realize like we need to create a better system for ourselves in case we have to go somewhere else, you know? But anyways, that's a whole other 
That's a whole other tangent. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. <laughs> so back to the childbirth education, because I think rounding up, like we're kind of a way to fight against the system, in my opinion, and I think you guys would agree, is to arm ourselves with this outside education, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, whether our decisions don't change or whatever it may be, we're still educated and able to kind of take on this time in our lives with with that in mind and knowing all of our options. Do you see like a big impact? Do you see a lot of, in your time doing childbirth education, a lot of new moms or do you see a lot of like, is it more second time moms, third time moms? Honestly, I feel like it's a good mix. Um, And I always tell my first time moms, like how impressed I am with them that like, holy crap, like you broke through the system. Like you were able, like you too, like you were able to kind of like figure out and navigate your way to learn about your options and that because I know that's not easy like that's that's so challenging especially here and the Mm -hmm. fact that you were able to find resources and options like that in itself is like pat yourself on your back like that was huge um and then oftentimes like subsequent pregnant people I think if they had either a challenging first pregnancy or first uh, challenging first birth then they want to like look for other things. Like I just, I don't want to do this the way I did it with my first, like I want to do it differently and not necessarily better or worse, but I just, I feel like I need to do something differently the second or third or fourth time around. Um, Or sometimes it takes them the second or third or fourth time around to finally be like, no, like I'm, I'm taking control of this. Like this is my pregnancy. This is my birth. And this is, I'm doing this for me. Because so much of the experience for so many people is for the provider, is for like what's easiest for them. And when we learn what our options are, like we can take that back. It's like, yeah, I get I'm due around Christmas. (laughs) I'm due around this holiday, but that means nothing to me. Like I'm going to have my baby when baby needs to come, not when you're like planning your vacation or your time off or whatever. Um, but I think like it, it's it's a good mix of just people at different stages, ages, and just where they're at and what they're wanting. But for a good majority of people that even do approach the idea of taking a childbirth education class is because they're coming into information that is different and they need to do the research for themselves and they want to be able to learn more. Because for most people just in general, not just specific to El Paso, but just in general, people are very comfortable and even feel safe with the status quo. And that's Mm -hmm. great. And that's fine. That's why it's so few and far between that people are just like kind of break through that. And they're like, no, I don't, I don't want to do it like that. I know I could do it differently, or at least want to have the option to do something differently. And I think that's where a good kind of comprehensive childbirth class can be really, really helpful. And have you seen a lot of pushback from like providers about outside source childbirth education? Because I know with me, I mean, I went the midwifery route. I did both, but I never told my OB that I was like, I really didn't talk to her about, you know, going to childbirth education or anything like that. But my midwife was super like, here's here's the number, like call her, you know, very encouraging of like childbirth education. So do you think there's a lot of pushback from providers about going to one of those classes? Yeah, because and I think a lot of it is just like 
same way when we tell them, oh, I, I'm thinking about having an unmedicated birth. Oh, okay, sure, Mika. Okay, yeah. It's. I think it's more of a dismissive mentality because when you have everything at your disposal to get a baby out any way, shape, or form needed, why bring on other stuff? Why, you know encourage people to ask too many questions. And I'm not, I'm not saying that providers are like, oh, they don't want this information out there. I'm not saying that at all. I think it's just, it makes for a more challenging patient, <laughs> I guess. Right, yeah. Um, because it, it is, it's, it's just, okay, great. You know about delayed cord clamping. Yay, you know? <laughs> you know about um, skin to skin. Wonderful when I'm trying to get the hell out of here because I got someone else. And that's, I think, yeah. I, like, I'm, I hope I'm not coming off as being against the medical system or being against uh, medical providers because I'm not at all. Like I said, I've, I've had hospital births and they were great and they were wonderful. I know a lot of providers in town and they're great and they're wonderful. Um, I just think what's tricky about El Paso is we have such a high birth volume. Like we have so many babies born every year. And I don't think enough people realize that. Like we have just in itself, culture wise, like we're always having babies, right? Mm -hmm. um, and on top of that, we're a very highly Catholic community. That's a whole other, you know, factor to it. We're also kind of like an international birth hub. So we have a lot of international families coming in to have their babies here. And we have nowhere near enough providers to support all that and to really kind of like attend to all that. So what's easiest to be able to attend all these births and all these people is kind of lining it up and scheduling it. And this is why we see mm. so many inductions. This is why we see... Um, some of our hospitals had some of the highest in, um, C-section rates in the country, but it kind of like, we need to kind of like break it down and, and why. Right. Um, right. And so that's also something else that El Paso families are up against. It's like, they need, I need to be scheduled in between 35 other people that are all due within this like two day period. And so, wow. but the more you kind of know, the more you can kind of like work, that system a little bit, even though it can still be really, really tricky. But yeah, I don't think enough people know how many babies we're having in El Paso because it's a lot. I myself yeah. have four. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm contributing. To that. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. That that kind of also shapes the way that doctors are going to act because, mm -hmm. you know, they also feel a lot of pressure and, and, you know, scheduling and all of that. It becomes... I'm sure very stressful for them when, you know, so for them, it's easier if everyone just kind of like nods their head and keeps mm. it moving, you know, because they have so many more. And I think when you were talking about, you know, how it's very typical for us to hear that, you know, it's a first baby, I'm going to do it in the hospital kind of thing. And mm -hmm. which is fine, I think, but I do think that no matter what number baby you're on, I think it's so important to get a childbirth education class mm. because even if you decide to go to the hospital, it's important to have that information because I think mm -hmm. that can greatly change your experience. And I don't know if you agree, but just arming yourself with that knowledge, no matter what, where you're at, mm -hmm. you know how to navigate things a little better so that you don't feel like the experience is happening to you. You know, you feel like right. you're part of the experience. So I think even if you're not, 
you're not at that point where you want to do out of hospital for whatever reason, take a childbirth education class no matter what to kind of get that. Because that already, I think, gives you an advantage on how your experience is going to go, how you're going to perceive your experience, whether or not it ends up with a C-section, unmedicated, medicated, whatever. It changes your perception because at least you know I knew what, you know, the risks of that. I knew my options and these were the decisions that I made, you know, in conjunction with mm-hmm. my doctor or whatever, but I think it makes a big difference. What resources do you recommend or have for women that are kind of searching for resources in El Paso? Where would you send them? And see, like post or even during this whole COVID thing, it's so tricky because so much of what was available pre-COVID is sometimes or just not available now during COVID. But I think probably the safest bet as far as trying to find out like what your options are is talk to doulas. And I think talk to local doulas, like doulas that are here, doulas that live here, doulas that call El Paso home, who have birthed in our hospitals, who have been to our hospitals, um, because they're going to have a much more rounded idea of what you can actually expect of how mm-hmm. you can really communicate with your providers than someone who is just in town for a few years because of whatever, and they're here to work for a little bit and then they're gone. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for me, it's really, and not to like, you know, put, to say anything about doulas that are only here temporary. Um, But I think it's different. It's a much different experience when you're with someone who knows, like really knows what the community is like, really knows what the community is up against because they've either been up against it themselves or they've supported other people in that, you know, um, environment already. Um, So I think just local, local doulas really have a lot of information um, and they're usually pretty, you know, open to meeting with people. I know I was, I was probably a little too available at some point, <laughs> um, but they are like, they're always very, you know, willing and open to share information and share resources that they have midwives as well. I know most area midwives are happy to like sit even, and again, even if you're not choosing to hire that doula, even if you're not choosing to go with a midwife. Like, I think they're just a great source of information and a great source of options because there are some midwives, like if in talking to them and it just sounds like, you know, you'd probably be better off because of whatever, whatever um, high risk factors or whatever is going on. This might be a good, a hospital might be a great option for you, but this hospital, and these are the reasons why it might be most mm-hmm. help, beneficial for you. But yeah, I, I think starting off with just midwives and doulas, um, cause they'll also be the ones that be able to kind of share information as far as like what classes are available, not only just for childbirth, but also for lactation. They're usually mm-hmm. like a good kind of support for you just all around, but just kind of like to kind of touch back really quick as far as the childbirth ed and, and how it can help with the provider. Cause I think a lot of times, like, I, I don't want people to think that your childbirth education class and what you're learning should be separate from what your provider, like at least for Mm -hmm. me and what I always encouraged with clients is like the whole point of you taking this class is so you can know the questions to ask. So you can know what information to talk to your provider about. Cause if you're in this class and you're coming up with this really cute 
colorful birth plan, you take it to the hospital, but you have had no conversations with anybody, anybody about it, like you might as well be going in there blind. Right. But the right. whole point is like, whatever you're learning in class, write down your questions. What sounds like it's something that you want to do? What do you not want to do? And then really like talk to your provider, like, well, do you do delayed cord clamping? Do you, you know, do gentle cesareans? Like what, like really get an idea of what they do. And that way you're not kind of like blindsiding them with like, you know, here's my birth plan. I want to do this, do this, this. And I want the nurses to release butterflies as soon as baby's head comes out. Like everyone's like, what? (laughs) So it's, it's really just a way for you to communicate. And that way, when you get to the hospital, you probably don't have to take this piece of paper that has all the things that you want to do. You've had these conversations with your provider enough that they know what you want. And if you're having these conversations with your provider and they're like, oh no, oh no, that's ridiculous. Like really take that into account. Like, oh shoot, why aren't they supportive of this? Why are they dismissing that? Why are they, oh, we'll worry about that when you're 36, 37, 38 weeks. Like, no, I want to I want to talk about this now. I want to prepare for this now. I want to hear what you have to say, what your experiences with this subject, whatever it is, has been in the past, because that's what's really going to help you get the most out of whatever childbirth class you're getting. It's not about just like learning stuff and, oh, this was really cool. And I got this information. I learned how to breathe this way and how to push this way. That's wonderful and great. But if your provider, the person who's going to be there with you, isn't supportive when you go into labor, you're going in blind, plain and simple. Mm, yeah. And I think it's also when you interview or speak to your midwives, right? Because obviously not all midwives are built the same, just because maybe we tend to think midwives are better in the way that they deal with their patients and more hands off. I do think it's important to treat everyone the same way. So if you're going to ask mm-hmm. questions, ask questions to whoever is your provider, because you're you don't know what what their typical practices are or you know what their viewpoints on certain things are because there are going to be some that aren't going to align with you no matter if they're a midwife or a doctor. So that's important too cuz I I I'm like with Letty like we're not choosing a side. It's just about how can you work with what you're choosing to go with, mm-hmm. you know, and how can you make that work for you because it is your experience. Letty, I had a question. Is there a way to bridge the gap between OBs and midwives? Now that you're kind of, you've been in the birth community for so long, you're about to be a midwife soon. Is there a way, because I know like there's a doctor in California. I don't know if you've heard of him, Dr. Stu, but he works with, he is a, an OBGYN, but attends home births. And he does breach deliveries vaginally. And he's very pro-pro home birth. Like he, in his mind, if you are a good candidate, you should just birth at home. Like Is he, he single? Not that I am. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. He's like, I th- he's so cool. Like in that, I'm like, man, and I don't think you'd find that here, right? So I'm like, how do you, is there a way to bridge that gap? Do you think it's possible to kind of have a collaborative work, you know, where they can come if it's a very like, I don't know, if it's some sort of weird delivery where you might need an OB like backup to come into the home or even to accept the patient when they go to the hospital, you know, to be that on call for them. Do you think that's possible here or what's your opinion on that? Um... To put it plainly and bluntly, in El Paso, no. And not mm. to say that it's not in, 
possible somewhere later on down the line because mm-hmm. a girl can dream, right? Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. unicorns are real in some places. <laughs> <laughs> but I and I think it also kind of goes back to just the volume of babies here, right? Mm-hmm. And really just the perception of a midwife here. And not just in El Paso, but just in Texas in general, right? Um, like there are there are maybe a handful of providers in El Paso that are receptive to what midwives do here in town. Um, There are also really great nurse midwives that we have here that are very receptive, that are even like friends with midwives because, and that's typically who, if we need to hopefully work more collaboratively with, like if we have a client who, um, is showing some kind of high risk factors will typically suggest like, why don't you try the nurse midwives? Because it's, we understand and they understand that if things are good and client checks out, okay, and everything's great, she's low risk and can continue with an out of hospital birth. That's who's going to be like, yeah, you're good to go. Like you're, mm. you're, you're at a great place. Whereas, whereas other providers in town, and we have to keep in mind that it's, they've seen things go south real quick. Like they've seen things be really, really great and wonderful, but they've all seen, also seen like just the worst outcomes. And I think for when you have that high volume, you have the higher chance of seeing how um, scary things can go really, really quick. Mm. Right. But they're also in a capacity to serve higher risk clients so that they are already seeing those kind of situations anyways. And so just the idea of someone choosing an out-of-hospital birth, knowing that there's this risk as small as it may be, is very foreign to people who have seen just like shit go down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it is, I think, more challenging for providers here to really be receptive to someone doing dual care. And it's not that people like midwives will say, Oh, don't tell your doctor or your provider that you're seeing a midwife too. It's like, no, it's complete transparency. Like tell them like you're seeing them and you're seeing, seeing us because that's, we, we encourage that transparency, Mm -hmm. but just know that when you do, you're likely either one going to be fired out of care or -hmm. you're going to be really feared out of your hospital birth. So you need to really mentally prepare yourself for what you might come up against because providers right. will do that. Like, it's like, well, why, why would you do that? Why would you choose that? Why are you seeing me? And why are you seeing them? Probably because you don't trust them. So it's just like this whole kind of deal, but mm. there are again, maybe a handful. <laughs> like I know of one provider specifically who had home births for their baby in like a South wow. American country. Um, who's very supportive, but has also seen a lot of really scary things in her practice as a doctor here. And so because of that, and then having to adhere to hospital protocols and policies, like all of that compounded really affects your standards of practice and really affects Mm -hmm. how the patient or client themselves are going to be cared for. So I, I wish there could be such a thing as collaborative, like truly, truly collaborative care, because that can only benefit 
clients that can only, only benefit pregnant people. Like there's no harm being done at any single point when there's just like real, true collaborative care. But I don't know if that's likely to happen. It sounds like now we need the first step is like respecting each other, right? Like respecting what they do and kind Mm -hmm. of that's where it would start. So like having respect for what the midwives do and the midwives, I think they do, you know, have respect for the OBs when they need to be there. Like, cause obviously there's times mm-hmm. where that care is necessary. And I think it's important to realize like, we're all kind of a culmination of our experiences. So how you said, like, just because a doctor is so against something, like I thought about that when I was pregnant and I would talk to my doctor about like the gestational diabetes. It's because she had had scary things happen with that. So mm-hmm. her perception is that shit can get really bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. you don't know, like, it's traumatic to see something like really horrible happen with one of your patients. Like, that's trauma that they carry. And mm-hmm. and what's their best way of, like, avoiding that situation, like, from happening ever again is to, like, you have gestational diabetes, you're getting induced at, you know, mm-hmm. because that's the way they feel like I can control this because I am not having it happen again. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. And it's important to have like that respect for all of us. Our, you know, like Carla has a fear of needles. And why does she have that? You know, to know the background of why is she so afraid of hospitals? You know, because mm-hmm. it's not just that she has this fear out of nowhere. Like things happen, you know, and to kind of respect each other there. But yeah, still push for what you want and kind of, ex- but also not be like, my doctor sucks and is terrible. It's like, well, you don't yeah. know what they've seen either. Like we have to kind of give each other that benefit of the doubt. Well, you know, kind of like what you're saying, like, and like, ladies, like, oh, like we can dream, right? Like, I hope that when Cassie, if she so chooses to have babies, I hope I don't get what is it, gramnesia, and that I'm like a good mother and I'm a good support <laughs> for her, and like, I don't turn into that. But you know, I, I'm a very hands off parent when it comes to Cassie running a fever, right? Like, I'm mm. like, eh, you're warm. Versus my husband's like, oh my god, like pump her with Tylenol and give her a bath, and I'm like. She's okay. She's like 199. <laughs> like, let let it let's see what happens. Let's wait. Right. And then obviously when I feel like she's sick, then I'm like, okay, now we need a doctor. Now I feel that whatever I can do at home, it's out of my control. I need that expert. But I can mm-hmm. DIY it at home in some aspects, right? So if we have such a high burden of birds, why are we pushing everybody needs to have a a, a hospital birth, right? Like, why right. not let the low risk take the load be like hey are you open to a unmedicated birth Mm. at home and you know some women given the choice may be like yeah you know what maybe because it hasn't never been a choice it's like my mom went to the hospital my sister went to the hospital got the epidural waited had a baby right so if you give the women that you know go your first visit and then be like, you know what? You're a perfect candidate and you don't have any historic for any issues. Why don't you go through midwife? Like go through a home birth, go through another route. And if at that point you your midwife says, you know what? You're getting gestational diabetes. You're getting, what is it when you get uh, high blood pressure? Like you're getting some risk that now it's out of our control. Let's refer you to the hospital so that the hospitals and the doctors are not overwhelmed. Like. But no, it's like we go hospital all the time. Well, of course, we're going to have like an overload of this. Like there's no 
even as much as I hate the referral system when it works with an insurance, like, oh, you have to go see the doctor to give you a referral to see if you really need to be seen by a specialist. Like, why haven't we started treating birthing like that? Like, it's been so natural. We're going to keep doing it. Obviously, we're not stopping, right? Like, we got to keep this world running. Like, why not yeah. educate people from the beginning that there are other options and you only see the doctor when maybe something is needing to be seen? Mm-hmm. When something really needs to be at... But, you know, because eventually, like, yeah, we talk about it, like, medicine is needed, right? Like, we had so many advances from back in the day, right? Like, vaccines, mm-hmm. medication, different practices, like, when people couldn't get a surgery and it was a death sentence versus now, you know, if your gallbladder is kind of, like, wonky, they're going to get it out. Mm-hmm. But leave that for that, right? Like, when when you can have so many successful birds at home or other options, or have rely on your midwife um, colleagues to kind of take care of those low risk and kind of let the OBs, what they train for, mm-hmm. where cesarean births, when cesarean births are needed, you know, because there's sometimes when they are needed, right? Like there's a medical issue, the baby needs to be delivered sooner rather than later. Let them take that burden when they're, you know, they come out in time. But, you know, we're never given that option. I mean, we can dream, right? Like, that just to me as uh, someone that's not in the medical field at all and <laughs> never will be because I'm horrified of hospitals and needles. Um, you know, like, I'm like, why don't, why don't you let the easy cases go somewhere else? Not easy. I mean, everybody has a big impact, but, like, the ones that are not going to have a risk and let the hospitals take care of the ones where, the you know, what they're made for. They're made for emergencies and for really serious treatments. But no, we're like, everybody, go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, here we are, overwhelmed now. Mm-hmm. I know when Carla says it like that, it's like, that's the simple solution, guys. Why can't we just <laughs> yeah. get it together? And like, it makes so much sense. <laughs> well, yeah, but let's start by undoing the capitalist system, the monetized medical system. Yeah, of course. Then do the whole insurance so issue. <laughs> So much, but these three brown girls so fixed it. Okay, we're gonna go. <laughs> we're to Washington. Ever think of this solution, guys? <laughs> we're about to go to Washington right now. As soon as we finish recording, it's like, sorry, honey, can't do dinner tonight. I'm flying out to Washington <laughs> right now to present my <laughs> my, my breakthrough thoughts right now. I know. Yes. But Letty, one more question before we let you go. What do you, what are your future goals as a midwife? What's like, if you could make like the biggest, like, even like you said, it's like unicorns don't exist or whatever. But if it was like this mega goal, even as unrealistic as it may seem or it seems so out of reach, what would it be? Oh, dang. Um, hmm. Deliver cardless baby. (laughs) Yes. So so second to that. Second to that. <laughs> um, I think just normalizing having your baby in a different way, like just making it normal. Because I think, and I can only speak from me when I was pregnant and, and having babies and feeling like sure, there's these options out there, right? There's midwives and there's home births and there's birth center birth. There's all these things out there, but that's not for me as a brown person. Like that, that's not mm. for me. It's, it's for them, right? Whoever them you want to call them. And so I think the more we see people 
that look like us, that sound like us, that grew up like us, that have parents like us, that have sisters like us, that are doing something differently, which is why I love that you guys share your stories and are so open and are so transparent about what your experiences have been like. And why I love that what you're doing with this podcast is that you're sharing our stories and what our experiences are and how some people did things differently. And then also how some of us fell into that same trap. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think what I want to do the most is I feel, and I, and I, my husband kind of teases me because he says that I can talk to pretty much anybody and I can, (laughs) (laughs) I don't always, but I feel like I, especially as I've gotten older, I've, I've, developed a sense or or way to be able to listen better and really just hear what people's stories are and just kind of be a resource. Like my biggest goal is like, I was able to find these resources, use me. Like how, what do you need for me? What, how can I support you? Um, Do I need to step back so that you can do something? Like it's, it's just, being able to be a resource, like even as a doula, like I I will never understand how some people could see birth work just in general as something that's competitive. It's like people are having babies every single day. Like we have no shortage of clients. Like what we have a shortage of is access and education. We have shortage of people knowing what their options are. Like, let's work on that. Like, cause doula, like clients will come every single, maybe not every single day, but like people will find you. Like you will always have some client. There's no shortage of people having babies. I hope to do in my community is be a resource that people can relate to and connect to and hopefully find confidence in themselves to like, well, shit, if she did it, I can do it too. Cause that's really Mm -hmm. what it came down to me for me was like, oh, well, my friend was it could take a class and she had her babies like this. That means I can do it too. And I get that from a lot of people too, is and which is why it kind of goes back to like with people, it's like, oh, if I had known that when I had my baby, I would have done it differently. If you had known someone who had done it differently and then known, you probably would have. And or maybe you would have chosen your same path because that was a path that you needed to be on. But I, I do, I think for and it sounds so egotistical, but what I hope to do is in my community is just be a resource and be someone that can be helpful and yeah, just, just be helpful. No. Yeah. And I mean, I think you've already done that. Letty. I think you'll continue to do that. I've never known you to be stingy with your information. I think that's a big point too, is like, no matter if it was hard for me to find information just because it was hard for me to find it doesn't mean that the person that approaches me like asking me that I go, oh no, like I found this and it took me forever. Like I'm not going to show you how I found this. You know what I mean? And then with the collaboration, I think you're right. Like we're asking for collaboration with OBs, but there, I feel like there's a lack of collaboration among birth workers in the community. Mm-hmm. So it starts there. It starts with us. And I think it starts with you. Like you're already so open and so generous with yourself as a person and your wisdom and knowledge that you're already making that change, you know, that people can see like, oh, it's not a competition. Like it can't be because then we won't go anywhere. We're literally going to stay stuck. 
because we're all like out to get each other. And it's like, no, dude, like the way to make this work is to actually be a community. Right. So Mm -hmm. I thought that was that was beautiful what you said. And I'm so excited for you. I'm like, well, for (laughs) us, for everyone, really. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Leti, for everything, for being here, for being who you are, for all the resources and calming tones. And, you know, I have another (laughs) friend that you were her doula as well. And, you know, we talk about how, you know, she had a different experience. She's like, I'm never having a baby again (laughs) in general. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, we talk about my, but Leti was so comfortable. She's like, yeah, it wasn't about Leti. It's like, it's about me and my kid. (laughs) But, you know, whenever I talk to people about you and kind of like the small, like, I know we are one of many of your clients, but to Mm -hmm. us, you are such a big person and you made it so easy to navigate and so rewarding that I cannot thank you enough even though my Mm. husband literally met you the day that like I think you guys made in triage he was like yeah that was that was a lot easier because I he didn't know what to expect (laughs) he was like the hospital will take care of everything right you got it babe and then I'm like no I'm delivering a child right now so thank you for everything from the bottom of my heart thank you so much we really appreciate you coming on Oh, thank you both so much for having me and for saying all those nice things. I said I'm like fighting back. It's been a very emotional <laughs> couple of weeks. It's, it's stressful. <laughs> You're like, don't I do cry, this to I me. I cry for anything. <laughs> oh no, but thank but you so thank much, you. Leti. We really appreciate you. So everybody thank in El Paso will have a new midwife soon. Leti Knight coming at you. <laughs> so if you guys need her, she's there and we'll obviously um, link her stuff as well. So you guys can follow her on Instagram and everything. And she's a, she's a great source of information and she's willing to talk to people and, and direct you where she thinks, you know, you need to go. So thank you so much, Leti. Thank you both again so much.